Hey everybody, welcome to Mind Buddy Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and Mind Body Green's beauty director, Alexandra Engler. On this podcast, we explore beauty through the lens of well-being. And on today's episode, I have on a dermatologist who I have known for a few years, but it's been a while since I've spoken to her, so I'm very excited to catch up. And I am so excited to chat about our topic today because she is so well-informed on this subject matter. And it's a subject matter that I get so many questions about. And I know that I know I need to learn more as well. So without further ado, I would love to welcome Dr. Ellen Marmer to our podcast. Dr. Marmer, welcome. Yes, I'm so happy to be on your podcast. I'm so excited to listen to more of your shows myself because I have so many questions for you too. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And, you know, I always like to start off these conversations by allowing the guest to introduce themselves and share a little bit about their story. So, you know, why, what was your journey into medicine and more specifically dermatology? It's a great question. And I am probably the least uh, likely story for most people to follow. So (laughs) I grew up in a little mountain in State College, Pennsylvania, and then I went to Vassar College and studied philosophy and Japanese and lived in Japan and Israel. And then um, after college, I became total nature girl and led canoeing trips, um, wilderness survival trips for three years in Minnesota and Canada. And during that time, I needed to learn wilderness emergency medicine. And I was like not going that route at all. But during one trip, when I had to fix somebody's leg, I had that like aha moment of knowledge is power. I can put my hands on somebody and help them. That means I could go anywhere in this whole world and help somebody else and what could be more meaningful. So that was my spark um, to lead me to Berkeley to go take some crazy hardcore science classes at Berkeley with really like super bionic people being like, whoa, (laughs) there's a lot to learn. Um, Philosophy did not prepare me for this, but... (laughs) Um, And then that led me to go to Einstein Medical School, and um, I failed my first anatomy exam. I got a big 33%. So this is just for anyone out there who, like, doubts themselves. You just have to fall down a lot. And then I ended up really, really, really working so hard that I graduated in the top of the country um, and won an award called Alpha Omega Alpha. And then during that last little gasp of medical school, I switched my interest from women's health and OBGYN to dermatology, which at the time was just because it was like an encyclopedic knowledge of the body and it was very visual and it was not, there was no cosmetic at the time. I'm aging myself, but, or dating myself, but this is before cosmetic stuff. Um, And so then I went to um, internship, which was at Mount Sinai. And it was so, it was like being in the trenches all the time. It was amazing and exhilarating. I loved being up for 48 hours and working with people. Um, And then dermatology here at Cornell and Sloan Kettering. And during my fellowship in laser surgery and skin cancer surgery, that was when um, fillers and Botox and things like that were starting to come out. So I really started all this dermatology journey and all this interest um, during my fellowship in 2003-2004. It's funny you mentioned that you um, had an alternative path into medicine and I wasn't expecting your actual path. I mean, that really was a roundabout way into it. (laughs) I love hearing it. Yeah, I don't regret any any part of it. I'm sure my parents were like completely panicking, like, what is she doing? I was making $20 a day um, with a college degree and having the best, best time. And I had major student loans to pay off too, so it was not the most responsible thing to do. But I definitely always try to tell people, follow your gut feeling, follow your joy, follow your passion, because it's just going to lead you to curiosity and other things. And I love my career. I'm really happy. And, you know, you entered dermatology, like you said, at a time where it wasn't necessarily focused on the cosmetics end of it. Um, but now we know that, you know, it's uh, the field of dermatology is so interlinked with the beauty industry and the cosmetic space. So I'm curious, you know, at what point did you kind of start being, what did you start gravitating towards the beauty industry itself? Because, you know, I know you as a dermatologist who, who works very heavily in this space. 
So I started, I was um, the first woman chief of dermatologic surgery at Mount Sinai. And I was very much into like skin cancers and, you know, excising them. But then putting people back together again is plastic surgery. It's reconstructive surgery. So that's aesthetic. Um, Making people healthy is aesthetic, right? So I, and then at the time, because I was at a big institution in New York City and a young woman doctor, you know, all the magazines started calling and asking my opinion about like crazy stuff. I mean. I remember one of my first media calls was from Cosmo magazine asking about like anal bleaching. And at the time, <laughs> I mean, sounds about right. <laughs> right, exactly. I was like, this is so PG-13. Like, am I allowed to answer that question as a doctor? And I just think like, as a young woman, of course, I love making people feel that they look better and feel better. And I want to look better. And I think there's nothing wrong with, with beauty and cosmetics. But the divide was hardcore academics and um, and the beauty world. And sometimes they didn't really connect on the knowledge and science. Right. So that was really where the division was for me at the time. Sure. And now, you know, they're so intertwined and, you know, the space is really just um, merging in a really, for lack of a better word, beautiful way. Yeah, yeah. I always like to ask uh, my guests what their beauty philosophy is, because I think it sets up the the stage for our conversations to follow. You know, so do you have a beauty philosophy? I do. I and it's very akin to your your magazine's philosophy that I think that um, you know I call it for me and for my patients I call it preservation aging, and I mean that in the best way. We want to be as healthy and vibrant and holistically healthy as possible, and then that leads you to beauty. I think, you know, when you look at, there's actually an academic field called Darwinian aesthetics. So Darwin was all about survival, right? And the the survival benefits in the animal world were often the most beautiful. So if you look at the peacock with the best feathers, they were often considered to be like the alpha male and they were able to mate better with the alpha female. And that just shows you that there's no such thing as vanity because, or there is vanity, but our concern, our level of concern about, you know, look good, feel good, do good, all those things are intertwined in a way that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a functional, powerful thing. Um, So my beauty philosophy is preservation aging. You want to look natural, but but do things that keep you looking good. Um, And you should invest in things that are like protecting you. And then that, like, if you are on a budget, I tell people pet, my pet mantra, PET, is protect, enhance, and troubleshoot. So when you're spending your money or spending your your energy thinking about what to do for yourself, it's mainly protection, health, all that stuff. The second thing might be enhancement. That might be makeup for one person or Botox or Daxify for another person. And troubleshoot, meaning like don't make all your medical decisions yourself or with Dr. Google or Dr. Reddit. You should go in to see the doctor themselves first and make sure you're troubleshooting correctly. I love that. That is, I mean, just really sound advice. And you're right. It does very much align with our, our way of looking at, at beauty. Um, And I also just like the phrasing that you use there. I think, I think for so many of us in the beauty space, we, you know, we don't want to call it anti-aging anymore because we don't want to demonize something that we all do age. Um, <laughs> and we shouldn't, right? And so that just seems like a really beautiful way to talk about it. Um, that that feels very modern and fresh. Um, so that's all to say I really quite like that uh, philosophy. So, you know, today we we are here to talk about LED therapy, LED lights. Uh, you know, I think of you as a very much an early adopter in this in this space. Um, you know, it is it, I get so many questions about this and it's pretty continuously some of our top performing stories and you know it is something that everybody is asking me about like should i get one of these masks should i get one of these you know devices should i you know what's what's worth my money what does it do <laughs> you know it is just a constant stream of questions nowadays i feel like but you you know you were on this uh this campaign uh for led way before most other folks were. So, you know, what was it about this this technology and this skin therapy that you were so attracted to? 
Yeah, so LED light is something used in our offices and it has been used since like 2000. So I use big, big blue LED light to kill skin cancers on people. So photodynamic therapy is something I was on the advisory board for. I really use it all the time as a skin cancer doctor. It's serious stuff and it's used to activate, blue light is used to activate a medication called aminolevulonic acid that kills precancer. So that's like, okay, how do I like proactively prevent skin cancers? I use LED light. So in the beauty world, like I said early on, where there was this like paradox of, you know, Dr. Marmer, how does um, niacinamide work um, in this beauty cream? How does it work on the skin? Well, niacinamide is a cofactor in the, you know, making of certain proteins in the skin and that might build collagen but you can't actually prove it because then it becomes a drug. So you're doing this like leap of faith all the time with beauty science. And that was, that was hard for me to say like, I'm authentic, you're authentic, you're a smart woman, I'm a smart woman, I happen to have an MD degree, but I'm not really allowed to say how something really works because there's no proof intentionally because then it would qualify as a drug and then the beauty industry wouldn't be able to sell the product or make those claims. So like the main, the consumers are like so confused in this like blur of beauty products, the cosmeceutical world, what do I get? And it's, it's almost intentional. Like it's an intentional confusion because we're not allowed to give clarity. Um, and I get, I get that we want, you know, the FDA and everybody wants everybody to be safe. But on the other hand, it's led to this like gray area. So I was thinking, well, okay, I've done big studies looking at seven, like looking at um, drugstore brand cosmeceuticals and luxury brand cosmeceuticals. And I, I recruited all these women, did photos before and after three months, which is like a legit amount of time for collagen to grow letting them live their lives and party and do what they want to do. Right. So it's not like super controlled, meaning it's more relevant. And then we actually did biopsies after um, before and after the study to show whether or not there were any changes in the skin. And that was step one, like do cosmeceuticals work? And the answer was yes, they actually did change the skin. So therefore you are, these active ingredients are doing something. And then the question is, what are they doing? And you can't really at the time, there was just like, it was too hard to look at the pathways. So here I am living this world of like trying to prove that ingredients do something so that we can validate what women believe that we're not just, you know, marketing slaves, like we believe because we're using it and it does do something. Number two, I'm a laser surgeon at an academic institution, Ivy League, you know, um, educated, like lasers work and we know how. And then number three, I am aging myself and I want to know what works and what's safe. And I don't want to use ingredients that are going to hurt my skin. So that is what I call natural tech beauty. I wanted to know how do we use light to create beauty biologically in the skin and be able to prove it. And that's where it just was like this aha, amazing moment, like Eureka, laser light. We can't use at home because it won't be powerful enough. LED light does photodynamic therapy. So why don't we do photodynamic beauty at home and eliminate excess ingredients, use things that we know work and be able to target things in the skin that we want to make better. Really interesting route to come to, you know, where we are, but no, it's, it's deeply fascinating. And you said so many things that like, I just deeply resonated with throughout it. Um, I could unpack everything you just said for like the next two hours, but <laughs> we'll, we'll keep on the LED for now. Um, but maybe you'll have to come back and we can circle back on some of that other stuff. <laughs> okay. But back to the LED. So, you know, you come to this conclusion, we can use this at home. It's an at-home technology, uh, but like what for, you know, for the people at home who don't like fully even understand what it's doing and what is the mechanisms behind LED therapy? Okay. And the reason people at home don't understand is that again, here we are in a world of very little science so far. Um, and so I am not only an early adopter, but I am an early pioneer in it. And I have gone the extra many miles to prove it to myself that it actually does something. And so I can like allow, give that information out to the world. So LED light emitting diodes 
you have them in your light bulbs, you have them everywhere. So what makes it so special to put it in a device and bring it home, right? The difference between laser light or even UV light or ultraviolet light or um, you know, microwave uh, energy is just the wavelength. And so LED light at home is in the visible wavelength. So it's red, yellow, blue, green, and purple. And so the lights are on like these home devices. The lights themselves used to be either big or not strong enough. They weren't being able to be powered well enough. So now the technology has gotten so good that you're getting highly purified wavelengths of light in the visible spectrum and you're able to have it at home. So in the old days, computers used to be like a whole building, right? It was too big. Your iPhone would have been like a monster phone and now it's a tiny little slim, awesome phone. So in the same way, technology has kind of caught up to us now where we can use these devices at home. And then the question is what makes a device good, right? And so so back to your original question is like, what is it that it does? It emits different colors of light different colors of light have different wavelengths. And that just means that they have a different energy level. That means they can go into the skin, different depths and target different photo acceptors or things in the skin that want to grab onto that energy. And then that leads to some type of reaction and that creates something that you want in your skin. So in lasers, you're using photons, which are laser light Photon is an energy molecule of light, right? Photon goes into the skin and creates heat to blow something up. So that's called photothermal lysis. So you want to heat up the, um, the melanin and the pigment. You want to blow up your pigment so you can get rid of tattoos. You want to blow up the pigment so you can get rid of freckles or birthmarks. Even hair follicles have pigment, melanin pigment. So you're going to use a laser that will hit that pigment and blow it up and go bye-bye or you can use lasers against your blood vessels because you're targeting something in the blood vessel. So here we wanna use LED light wavelengths to tar tickle something in the skin gently to actually promote collagen for getting rid of wrinkles, elastin to help skin elasticity and firmness. Um, and you might wanna also decrease things like decrease the pigment or decrease the inflammation. And so the big dis difference between lasers and LED is that LED light does not work using heat. So there's no heat reaction happening. You're using like a photo, it's called a photochemical reaction. So you're, you're actually targeting, um, the key word here is mitochondria. Have you heard of that before from like high school biology? Oh, oh yeah. We're big fans of that over here at Mind Buddy Green, but please explain it for anybody listening who may, who may not know. Okay. So mitochondria is the absolute most magical thing. Mitochondria looks like this tiny little kidney bean floating around in your cells. And it is the battery. It's where all the energy process is happening in the cells to feed um, your body making new proteins. So the energy that's being made in the mitochondria is called ATP, right? You've all heard of ATP. ATP um, is adenosine triphosphate. It just stands for like another molecule. But um, the mitochondria is what is like, it's like a little roller coaster of little things happening. And believe it or not, on that, the cars on that roller coaster are the target of LED light and they actually accept different kinds of light. So one of them will accept red light, one of them will accept yellow light, one of them will accept green light. And all of that is to say it can alter what's being done in the cell. So you come home, you put on your blue light, your blue light hits the skin. On the skin surface, you've got little bacteria that are acne bacteria that happen to be photosensitive and the blue light like zaps them. So if you think of like a video game, here's the blue light, it's coming towards your skin. It's like ping, ping, ping. It's like zapping away some of the acne bacteria. The rest of the blue light continues on and it goes down into the skin and then it tickles something in the mitochondria to affect the ATP. So now you've energized the cell. Um, and then what does that energy do? It goes on to turn on and off different mechanisms in the cell. So here's a way that you can, instead of using an ingredient on your skin, you can use light 
that's going to give you some type of um, increased growth factors or increased proteins in the skin to make your skin better. You just explained that so well with so much depth, but also just so easy to understand. And that was like truly the best explanation of LED that I have ever heard. (laughs) The award goes to you. Thank you. Anytime, because I know I've started lecturing about it. And, you know, I want everybody listening to understand that um, even doctors are brand new at this. Like most doctors don't even know that it ha- it works in the mitochondria. And that's okay because, again, the, the research that we're doing is kind of like brand new research. So there's a lot of new new news in LED. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, you mentioned something about good versus maybe not so good uh, at home technologies. Um, and I, I definitely want to ask about that, you know, because I there's this huge influx of these technologies, right? And one of the biggest questions that I get is, how do you know if you are using something that is worth it, that's going to actually provide results? You know, so are there red flags or green flags that you can look for when, you know, when folks are shopping at home? Yes, it's a great question. I think that, you know, LED, you do get what you pay for. So there's no such thing as a $20 LED that's going to be good for you. So I would say, um, you know, if you're getting like a tiny little handheld LED light just for just for zits, maybe that's going to work if you're consistent. But if you're using it for preservation, aging, anti-aging, whatever you want to call it for like your whole face at a time, I don't believe these small handheld devices are going to be enough to help you. I do like I invented our LED. We have two LEDs called the MM sphere and you can learn more and take a little quiz on mmskincare.com, but it'll help you see like, what do LEDs do? What are the different colors? But really what I want you to know is that every single aspect of this device I invented with a team of engineers based on my knowledge of of lasers, which are like $150,000 devices and so powerful that safety and efficacy are the most two important things with our any laser you use. So why wouldn't we have that with the LED we use? At the time that I was inventing these, um, you know probably that this face mask that was originally made in China, like hit Instagram and TikTok and Neutrogena bought it and they rebranded it and sort of updated it. Neutrogena put out like, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of these products. And then the FDA asked them to recall the products. And this is all, this is all like in the news. So I'm not talking out of school. No. And I I actually wanted to ask you about this specifically. So I'm glad you brought it up because, you know, I feel like this was a a very early moment in the LED trend that really, you know, made people kind of question or say, oh, you know, what do I do now? So I'm glad we're talking about it. So continue. Yeah, I think it's an instructive example of what you're saying. Like, what's the red flag? What's the green flag? I think here we have a company that um, adopted a product and um, and did go, go forward quickly with a trend before maybe doing um, their own sort of research on it or something. I don't, I'm not sure what, how much research they did or not. But what I would say is that any of these Uh, masks that rest close to the eyes are very, very close to the eyes. And the reason that FDA had them recalled was that the light was glaring on the eyes and there were many complaints afterward about um, temporary damage to the eyes. And I'm not sure. I've looked it up and there are cases of temporary blindness or temporary um, eye irritation from that particular mask. I don't know of any permanent problems. The, there are other very popular <laughs> masks that are like shiny and amazing, right? The hockey mask style LEDs. And I believe hopefully that the um, inventors of those masks have redistributed the LEDs a bit away from the eyes and they've contoured the mask in a way that protects the eyes. So really that's the big issue. For ours, eye safety was the number one uh motivation, you know, this, I I started inventing this way back in like 2015. So it was before the Neutrogena recall, but eye safety is number one for all laser treatments. So why would we not do that? So ours is something that's not right up on your face. It's about 12 inches away and that's far enough away for eye safety. Number one, number two, it has a frosted 
glass over the LED so you're not getting that glaring light. And if you've ever tried one of these masks, you know what I'm talking about. They can be, it's almost like having like a naked light flashlight next to your eye, right? Um, and, and number three, we do include an opaque set of eye goggles for anyone who gets like eye sensitivity at all anyway. But um, I think the fact like the, what you wanna look for is FDA clearance. You wanna look for something that's powerful enough with a big enough panel of lights to have an impact on make your time valuable. You probably wanna look for something that's like a 10 to 20 minute time treatment, not usually less than that. And um, you wanna look for a company that has really done you know, some research. Uh, we've presented our research at national meetings. They've been like, um, it's, called, it's called CME. There's like a certification that it's unbiased research that it's done with very good um, medical ethics, just to show that we're really looking at the science. Um, and now we have just come out with uh, RNA sequencing studies, which is super, super deep science, with an outside institution, Rockefeller University, um, where we had green LED uh, light tested. And that's the first time ever anyone's checked, like tested green LED light. Sure. You know, I I do want to ask you about colors uh, in this process because, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. Some colors are a little bit better studied than others, right? Like I think red is the best studied. Do I have that correct? Red and blue are the most popular. There are lots of um, there are lots of studies out with that. Those are clinical studies. So typically, um, so for example, I can speak to our study where we enrolled um, thirty to sixty patients in different light with the different color lights, and um, each person used the light twenty minutes a day, three times a week. So not twenty minutes per session, three times a week. And we did artificial intelligence photography of them at baseline and then every two weeks until the end of 12 weeks. That just goes to show you that we had really high definition photographic analysis that went through this whole computer system and it counted every pore and every acne spot and every fine line and every you know sun damage spot, every UV spot. And then went through this calculation and we were able to show improvement in the skin different using the different lights. So a lot of the different companies have photographic studies showing that blue light helps reduce acne, red light helps reduce inflammation and scars. And, um, but they don't really have studies with the other color lights. Um, and so we're the first company to show that the green light reverses your skin age by four years, which is amazing. So huge. Yeah. So we had, um, and also we did those biopsy studies and showed with a, the genetic sequencing that we are increasing the retin-A receptor activity. So that's incredible. So without using retin-A, you're actually just using light doing all that that the retin-A does. Isn't that cool? Wait, that's incredible. Insane. I had no idea. Was your mind blown? 100% blown. Like in the best geeky, awesome way possible. Like no way. That's so cool. That is so cool. Yeah. And it's like, oh, how did that happen? Well, it just, that exact thing, like the green light hit that little um, mitochondrial car that I told you about. It, it started this ATP production. It triggered the sequencing of the genomic sequencing, that same thing that Retin-A does. And now we are able to collaborate with these geniuses at Rockefeller who know these molecular pathways. And so you know, they put it through their database and they're like, wow, this is the pathway that the Retin-A receptor works on. And the other pathway that was statistically significantly upregulated was the one that growth factors um, hit. So you guys have heard of like these new things called exosomes and, you know, all these things. And all of that is meant to impact growth factors. Well, here you have it on your one home device the ability to do that without spending a lot of money on exosomes or injecting them or any of that. Like, it's kind of like what you're hoping PRP would do too, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, and the other thing it did was it reduced um, pathways of inflammation, the same pathways that some of the psoriasis medicines have been shown to reduce and eczema medicines have been shown to reduce. So we know now how it works. And we know the molecules, TH17, TH1, like we know the receptors that it's working on. We know that it works not up on your face, but 12 inches away from your face safely and effectively using the green LED light. 
So this is so fascinating for several reasons, but it's also so fascinating for this idea of just the value of putting in the work and getting the research like you've done just because, you know, so many of these masks, they use what we know, we know red, we know blue, but this shows the value of putting in the research, putting in the time, because, you know, now we have all this evidence for green, which feels like it opens up a whole new door. I hope, yeah, it's just, it's incredible. And it's like, you're right. So people are using predicate devices from old, old, old studies, and they're not doing anything new other than maybe packaging it new and kind of like doing better marketing. But what it's true, it's like, I do feel really good about, I guess, my heritage through medical school and I am um, Mount Sinai. Um, is that like, you got to stand up and prove what you're about to say. Cause if you're going to be in a room of like 10,000 doctors, a lot of them want proof. Right. And so working with the very best people doing a really good IRB controlled clinical study, proving it on RNA sequencing, which is the latest technology using green light, which has never been shown before um, has been amazing. And it just makes me like want to do so many more studies to prove exactly what does amber light do? Like we know amber light, um, is good for people with seasonal affective disorder. So then that's like, okay, so, and I know, I think that amber light works on the skin in terms of, I think it boosts radiance and moisturization, but I can't prove it. I can tell you that, right? But wouldn't it be cool if I could just do another clinical study, which costs another $50,000, right? And, um, and do it, which, which we should be able to do, like we should be able to get grants LED light won the Nobel prize back in the 1960s. Like it's been used by NASA. It's LED light is legit. They have a whole thing on at the NIH about it. So like, and it's not just skincare. Like you guys are like mind body, like it is wellness. It is psychology. It is endorphins, dopamine. It also is um, used for other medical treatments like Alzheimer's, they use transcranial red LED light, they do transabdominal LED light for liver, they do implantable LED light soon for a pacemaker. So in the news, just recently, they just had something where they can like, implant a little blue LED like butterfly light in the heart, and get rid of these big, huge pacemakers that people have. So LED is going to be in our bodies. <laughs> it's not just a trend. It is the new science. My is mouth is on the floor for <laughs> for people who can't see me. <laughs> it's a watershed moment. It really is. And I don't know, like you asked, like, how did you know early on? I just, I literally just had a vision. I mean, I just felt like it makes sense. Let's, let's look into this. And I feel like we all owe it to ourselves to have more knowledge. Yeah. No, I mean, I, one, I'm just, you know, so blown away by some of the more uh, recent uh, revelations that you've shared with me, but uh, just even to speak on LED in general, um, you know, it's just, it's really, you know, I, I agree. I think that there is so much to uncover here and it does seem to be just kind of like this missing link in the future of skincare and overall health. Um, that just seems really exciting in a lot of ways. But, you know, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the more basic logistics uh, just while I have you. Um, <laughs> and, you know, some of the things that I want to go over is like a lot of use cases, right? You know, you recommended finding something, uh, finding a tool that um, lasts, you know, 10 to 20 minutes at least. But, you know, like how often should you be doing this? What sort of topicals should you be pairing with, if at all? Um, you know, what should, like you said stuff about sizing, you know, how, how in the weeds should people get about how big or how, you know, what size they're looking for, you know, all those like little, uh, day-to-day -day uses. What do you tell people for stuff like that? Yeah. By the way, I just, I love what you said and one worth, I think is worth repeating. It's the missing link in so much of um, skincare and, and wellness. So I do agree with you. I think that's like a great way of saying it. Um, okay. So in terms of what, okay, the thing, okay, let's say the disadvantage of led light is that it's so gentle. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt. You don't feel any stinging. You don't feel any temperature change. You don't feel anything. So you're probably like, eh, there isn't that like motivation to use it. So ours has like this little, like, do you hear that? like little sound therapy. And we also did um, intentionally pair it with 
different topicals. So we actually have Photodynamic Beauty. The ingredients in our anti-aging serums are everything you want in one bottle. So instead of having 28 steps from the South Korean way of doing things, I went to South Korea and I put all those steps in one beautiful bottle. And um, there's a morning serum and a night serum and an acne rosacea blemish serum. So just three serums. And um, the key ingredients are photodynamic. So the green light will activate the green um, photodynamic in ingredient here. And then you also have your microbiome, your peptides, your antioxidants and anti, it's called thermophilus. It's like an anti-redness um, ingredient as, as well. And then the nighttime routine is there's also this, um, this night blooming cucumber like thing this ingredient that's photodynamic and also with the anti-acne ingredient. So you really want to have photodynamic skincare with your LED, but you want to make sure that your LED is something you're going to be compliant with. You love it. You want to make it easy. You need to use it three times a week or more to make it really um, something that you notice the difference. So the way to do it for us is I actually have it right now on my desk in front of my keyboard in front of my computer so i am now looking at you doing a podcast getting my whole face neck and chest treated with led light and i'm not looking at the light i'm continuing and multitasking um and it's working on me and not only is it working on my skin but it's also working on my my mindfulness um so making it easy helps make it compliance uh, compliant for us the size of our, our mini LED is a small, like a dinner plate, um, like a salad plate, I would say. So there's, oh, there's hundreds of LED lights on this one panel. It's got an empty um, handle, so it looks like a halo, and that is for you to put your cell phone in. So again, if you're not going to be on the computer and you want to multitask, you're always going to waste 20 minutes a day on your phone, right? So for us, we made the handle ergonomic and it holds your phone and you can do your, you can read the Mind Body Green newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> Good plug. So making it for people like hands-free, multitasking. Once you buy it, it's absolutely free. There aren't any consumables that you have to get. Um, and then making it pair with your routine, which, which should take you like a minute um, a day with just putting on the right products is gonna be really helpful. What you don't want are products that are opaque. So you wouldn't want to buy an LED, put on like a thick white cream or a tinted, like any type of tinted cream, and then use your LED because it's going to, the minerals in that makeup or in the creams are going to actually scatter the LED wavelength and kind of make it less effective. So clean skin, um, our, our serums are translucent, so they are aloe-based and they go on very silky and sheer, so they're not going to disrupt that wavelength. And then um, the wavelength can get through to your skin and do what it needs to do. It's funny you bring up the cell phone because this sparked a question in me that I wanted to ask you. And it's a question that I have gotten before and sometimes chew on. And I you can help help educate myself and everybody I think we hear a lot about blue lights coming from our phone, right? Um, did you know where I was going with this? <laughs> okay, I anticipate before it. Yeah, you probably get this question a lot too. We hear a lot about blue light coming from our phone. Um, what's the, you know what what's the difference between something coming through our phone, our laptops, versus you know a blue light that's like an LED system? Like, wh why is one better versus one could potentially be? harmful or how, whatever. Okay. So number one, I have gotten that question from doctors and res really smart, like dermatology residents and consumers all the time. So I went to our engineers and I asked the same question. Um, I think really all part of it is the amount of time that you're in front of it. So if you're in front of your computer for eight hours and you're getting low level um, blue light, you know, that's where the accumulation of potential hyperpigmentation, like the, the big question was hyperpigmentation. Um, blue light up next to the eyes is such a short wavelength that it is a higher intensity superficially. And so that was the wavelength that I think caused some of the um, concerns with the blue light glare near the eyes. So really, really close up. And we're talking within like, you know, two centimeters of the eyes. Blue light from your phone is probably not is probably not impacting your skin 
or your eye um, health. But I know that people who work at the computer all the time wear the the protective glasses, right? The UV, UV uh, blue light blocking glasses. So it's really like, I think number one, you're in front of your computer for hours. You're using a blue LED light like this for 20 minutes. You're not looking at this light, you're looking away from it. So for us, we believe that that makes it safe for our treatment, um, our treatment plans. Um, but, but I think it's another good question. And I think it's like one of those myths that has been pushed forward. And I think that's a really good question. Like, why don't we do a study and do an RNA sequencing and see if you're using blue light 20, you know, 10 to 20 inches away, um, 20 minutes a day, three times a week, and you do RNA sequencing, do you actually get hyperpigmentation? Do you get more inflammation? Are those things actually happening? One final word on that is that the blue light in mood and psychology has been shown to actually increase memory enrichment. So blue light is used therapeutically for people who want to learn more, college students who are studying, high school students who are studying, it helps them. Um, it helps wake people up a little bit, so for alertness. And it's also used for people who are older and feeling like they're losing their memories. Um, they use blue light to help enrich them. Well, and you know, uh, we're supposed to get blue light first thing in the morning to, you know, we're supposed to go outside and, uh, you know, so it's, I do like suspect a lot of that is kind of this like myth being pushed and pushed on us. And I also just think that like, I don't know, being on our computers and our cell phones, are, they're not good. They're not good for us in other reasons that aren't necessarily attributed to the light. Like, <laughs> I think they're just bad for our mental health, not because of the blue light. It's because we just shouldn't be on our phones for eight hours a day. Hundred <laughs> percent. It's so scary when you get your statistics at the end of the week, right? Like, I know. I know. Oh my god, it's horrible. I hate it. Okay, so. I, I started asking this question and I think it's kind of fun and I'm curious to see what you say. Um, what is your beauty hot take? So, you know, what's what's something that you see in the beauty industry that maybe you you have opinions about? Oh my gosh. Okay, give me some examples. Okay, so this could be I you know, I don't, I'm going to even like throw, throw my podcast under the bus on this one. Um, I don't believe in using the word clean or, um, that would be like a hot take or, you know, I believe that synthetics are better than all natural, or I believe that all natural is better than synthetic, you know, like any sort of these like buzzy sort of conversations that people are having. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess for me, like from my beauty philosophy, I don't think vanity is um, is part of any of what we're all trying to do. I think vanity is is not vanity means futile. So I think taking care of ourselves and the and sort of like the the pursuit of beauty is actually very very functional, and I think we should really encourage it and validate it. I think even you know, people like to say the Kardashians or, you know, whatever, but still like they've inspired so many people to start taking care of themselves. I, I think, you know, I don't know. I think that women, especially you, you, we usually attribute like the beauty, I don't know, mission with women. I think women are really smart and there's a lot of really smart stuff happening in beauty. So I think we should stay positive and stay open and use, use some of these things to ask questions. So I, yeah, there's no way to be hundred percent clean. When I was trying to make this product, I like, I told you, I went to the best place in South Korea and I picked the ingredients that were like the lowest impact, most sustainable. I picked packaging that was not like a box within a box within a box with like, you know, the fancy, fancy stuff, because you just throw that out. And that's, that's like, you know, terrible. And, but yeah, I still have to have a box and I still have to have a opaque plastic container and I still have to fly it across the world and like you still have to have it shipped to you and my god like during COVID all of us were shipping things so you know if we take a step back we really just have to do our very best and stay right and like the next generation you guys are inventing ways for us to make things totally differently and like we need to adopt those as soon as they come out there but I don't think we should spend our time I call it negativating like people who are yes. so negative <laughs> <laughs> it's like a verb. Like, you know, people like that, like, okay, stop cutting each other down. Let's 
our minds. Let's be as clean as we can because it's the right thing for everybody. Let's be as natural as we can, as long as it's it makes sense. But understanding that like birch bark is basically salicylic acid, which is aspirin. Like there are chemical names for, for natural things. Um, you know, I feel like, I think what's missing sometimes is like the trust of each other. And I think some of that does come through from sort of like that tabloid hyperkinetic mentality that does happen with social media. Things happen like, you know, those voices get in there and you're like, it just diverts the conversation. I, everything you just said is, I completely agree with. Um, I, I think the like vanity element is again, like that could be in another podcast on it in and of itself. Like, I think, I, you know, I think that we subscribe vanity to beauty in this way that I think is like really pejorative. And I think it's like, I think there are like definitely like lingering um, tints of sexism in it because, you know, it's like, why you know, like when men focus on their health it's because they like are focused on longevity and they are like health nuts and then when women do it we're vain and we're superficial and it's like uh, w- come on there's clearly a double standard there and then to go back to the like clean and sustainable element of it too i think that there is this moment right now happening in the beauty space where everybody is just so invested in calling each other out for the choices that they're making and like i'm just a big believer of like listen we're no one's going to do it perfect and there are like good you know there's you can find like reasons to use any sort of packaging or any sort of like shipment method or any sort of ingredient and like everyone's going to make the choices that they make and like, they're going to justify it the way they are. And like, all we can be concerned about is just like trying to be better and trying to be a better industry. But like this whole, like pointing fingers at each other, it doesn't get anywhere. Like it's not doing anything for the consumer. Right. It's not. And I do think it's like, we just have to be very careful because marketing can override a lot of truth. And I do think, right. Like I think that, um, making people paranoid about things is not the way to do it. Understanding like, right? Like understand like, oh, I wish we had um, a manufacturing facility in the United States that would be able to make masks and serums the same way that they are able to make them in Korea. And then we could create jobs. You know, I even had this idea up here in the Bronx near us is just like the whole harbor front has just become like so yucky. But in in the Brooklyn Navy Yards, you know, they built that incredible institution where it's like they use wind power and solar power and hydropower to, you know, create energy for all these small businesses to do things. And I was thinking we should create like an education center in that like lost space in the Bronx and, you know, hire locally, make it like the best manufacturing facility right there. That's like a hundred percent self-sustainable with natural energy, making products that are as safe as possible and bring it, make it an educational center too. like bring young people there and like teach them the science of making these things and make it all better. So the beauty industry itself can be a greener industry. That would be amazing. Yes. Totally agree. I agree with everything you just said. Um, and it's about like working together and, you know, finding, finding ways to make the entire industry better. It's not about tearing each other down because that just, it just doesn't serve anybody to do that. It really doesn't. I think it's wasted energy. Um, well, that's two great hot takes. Um, (laughs) okay. The last thing I want to ask you about is what you do for yourself. So what is your skincare routine? All right. So on my best days, my skincare routine means I already slept seven hours. So I had a nice long sleep. I wake up, I have a nice big glass of water right away and make coffee and immediately go work out. So my workout is usually the elliptical or the treadmill with my LED light on the treadmill or the elliptical. And I do at least 30 to 45 minutes as hard as I can. Not not crazy hard, but like enough to get a really good sweat. So my goal every morning from a beauty routine is to break a sweat um, and then take the quickest rinse. Do not over soak my skin because I think sweat is the best cleanser. And then a quick rinse, little, little bit of cleanser, and then get out of the shower, immediately put on our serum that's full of like HA and blue green algae and all great moisturizing. And then I put on my Chanel Vita Lumiere, which is my like 
tinted SPF 20 on regular work days, then a, maybe like one second of eyeshadow, maybe a second of blush. <laughs> and then um, I walk uh, a couple miles to work. So like that's for me the best kind of morning. Um, and my beauty routine is like always wear sunscreen. So I just mentioned an SPF of 20 and that's like a winter day. I don't think that we have to really be like SPF 50 every single moment of every day, but I do have about 30 different kinds of sunscreens on my shelf. And I, I feel like we should all pick and choose based on what the day is going to be like, how much exposure you're going to have, when you're going to need to, need to reapply. So there's no reason anymore for people to say like, Ugh, I don't like sunscreen. I don't like the way it feels like we should all have that as part of our daily routine. No, I think there's so many good options now that um, you can kind of create this like sunscreen wardrobe for yourself and, you know, create. And, you know, I think what you said is like really, really refreshing that, you know, you you can adapt to what you need for that moment. Because if I'm spending eight hours at the beach, like my sunscreen routine is going to look much different, you know, than if I'm like working at home. <laughs> I don't think you're going to spend eight hours at the beach anymore. I mean, this pale skin? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think anyone should spend eight hours at the beach. I feel like... I shouldn't have said that in front of a dermatologist. I take it back. I'm sorry. <laughs> actually does that. Do people actually do that? They really do. I mean, I go to the beach, but I, I, like, I get an umbrella and I'm smart about it. Don't worry. Look how pale I am. All right? I, I pay attention. So if you're sitting at a, under an umbrella, always put sunscreen on the bottom of your feet. Sure. It's a good tip. <laughs> okay well dr marmer this is so fun i learned so much from you i mean just again i felt like this whole episode i was like oh we could spin off in so many different directions and we could keep on talking and talking and talking but you know that will be fodder for another day um but today we got through so much great information about LED therapy. And, you know, hopefully our listeners at home are, are walking away with really great tips and advice. Um, I know I am. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. And you guys can always learn more on our website, which is mmskincare.com. And it's named MM because it's Marmor Metamorphosis. So Marmor is my last name. Metamorphosis means transformation. And I really believe this is transformative, like learning about LED, learning about how light affects the skin, learning about your skin itself, that it's biological and it's doing all the right things. So that's why I said like your skin is genius. Like it already is such a smart organ and it's like, it's such an incredible passion. So thank you so much for having me on your awesome show and for all your super smart questions. And if anybody has any questions, I can't wait to answer them sometime. Well, thank you so much again for joining me and I will hopefully see you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. For more beauty content from the team at Green, you can always read along with our content at mindbodygreen.com follow us on social media, and of course, tune into next week's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate and review us. And if you ever want to reach out with questions or insights or thoughts, you can find me on Instagram at Alex underscore Blair underscore. Thanks so much for your time.